then there were two. The Columbus Crew will host the Portland Timbers in the MLS Cup Final. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, Ivis Galarsep, who is at the New York Red Bull game versus the Columbus Crew. Ivis, how are you doing tonight, man? Pretty well, pretty well, man. It's a crazy day of soccer. Uh, we had two great games. Uh, we all we all thought they would be uh, two pretty exciting games, but they they lived up to the billing. And uh, you know, I know a lot of people are, are probably surprised at who's in the final, but it's hard to argue that these these are two very deserving teams. And I think they're going to actually play a pretty damn good final, if you ask me. Agree, man. Agree, hundred percent. And yeah, both games awesome. I mean, that Portland FC Dallas game. Whew, oh, I did not want that game to end. No, it was crazy. It was crazy ending, and it's funny how uh, you know FC Dallas is that they're that team that when you light a fire under them and and you put the pressure on them, they they take take it up another notch. But uh, unfortunately for them, they kept having to wait for that, uh, kept putting themselves in in, in a hole. And, and credit to Portland, they uh, they took care of business. They they went down to to Dallas, which is a, one of the toughest places to play in the league, and they got a result. Also, I don't want to give any discredit to the New York game. I, one thing I'll say, I was I couldn't believe how many people were leaving the game. New York then scores, and they almost scored another one. I mean, all those it, people, they should have stayed. It was pretty bad, man. I, I mean, I didn't I didn't notice them leaving. I just noticed that they were gone. Yeah, it, also was like, it was empty. It, it was uh, because it's just funny. After the after the Red Bulls scored, uh, I just look. I look up straight ahead, and I'm like, "Where this? It was empty. It was like not empty. Like the whole stadium was empty because it was it was a pack. It was a sold no, out crowd. Packed. No, it was very packed. It was a great it was a great crowd, but a lot of them left early, and I was just like, "Wait a minute, did they like? I don't think they I don't think they understood that you know what something crazy could happen." And I was sitting there. Something crazy I, almost did happen. Yeah, I know. And just <laughs> I mean, and, and we've we've seen that before. We've heard of that. Um, I'm trying to think. There was a there, there was something like that. Recently, I don't know if it was a football game, an American football game, or, or what, or a basketball. There was some game like that. I think it was actually a, a college, either a college basketball game or a pro basketball game, where it was a big game and it was a championship. And then maybe, oh, you know what? Was it the Cleveland Cavaliers last year in the finals? Or the, in, in the last NBA finals that, that they were losing and then they, they came all the way I back? Know. I don't even I don't watch know. the NBA. But the, but no the, moral of the, the moral is, I don't, I don't either, to be honest with you, other than the finals. But moral of the story is if your team is in the final, you stay till the end. Uh, I mean, unless it's a blowout. I mean, if it's 4-0, then fine. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> if it's 2-0, I mean, all it takes is one goal to just shake things up. I mean, uh, it was crazy. It was crazy. But you know what? Credit to the crew. They were fully deserving of that win. Yeah. Of this win. They were they were the better team. They were the better, I know the Red Red Bulls supported Shield. They had a great regular season, but right now, for my money, the two teams that are in the, the final are the best teams right now. They're the best team. They were the best teams in the playoffs. There were two teams who, who hit really good form late in the year, mm-hmm. and, and they're, they're fully deserving. And and need I remind people, these are two teams that they they tied for the third most points in the league. So we're not talking about a case of. Some like low seed that snuck in, and there's always that concern about playoffs and 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 uh, you know the playoff format. A, a bad team could sneak in and then win the whole thing. It's not it, it, the way things are set up now. It's really tough for that to to happen. Uh, these are two teams that are fully deserving to be in the final. Yeah, agree, man. They both finished second in the East and Western Conference. Columbus will be playing host. Sure. Be a good time out there. Uh, I just before we get into the games. 
as always, plenty to talk about today's show. We'll talk about the Americans Abroad, MLS Best 11 ones announced. We'll talk some other general Major League Soccer news. Also, the NCAA College Cup getting down to the wire with the final teams. We'll recap all of that. Going back to the games, uh, the late game on Sunday, which you were at, New York, Columbus Crew. New York did get the win, 1-0. Um, however, though, they needed two goals in this one. And, and as we were just talking about, I was with everyone leaving, I mean, for New York... Um, you know, missed opportunities all game long. Really didn't push the effort till the very end, till the final two minutes of the match. When New York gets the goal, hits off the post, and uh, and for New York, I mean, look, the end of the day, Ivis was Columbus was just the better team on Sunday night in New York. No, the, the you know the crew were the better team, and I think they had the better game plan. Credit to Greg Berhalter, he looked at his team, he looked at the Red Bulls, he saw what the Red Bulls like to do, and he and he devised the game plan to attack. Uh, attack the Red Bulls in, in in the perfect way possible, and and you know they they the Red Bulls we all know about the pressure they like to put on teams, and what the crew really tried to do was work over that pressure and get over that pressure instead of trying to play through it, instead of trying to play through and just through the teeth of that, just play up top, play to Kai Kamara, mm. play to Ethan Finley, uh, and, and really let them do their thing on the opposite side of that pressure. And it worked well. And 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 let for anyone who didn't see this game, and I got into it with someone on Twitter, uh, almost kind of oh, back. Oh God, what did you do? No, it wasn't. It wasn't even anything that bad. But it was just like anyone who I don't I don't know anyone that even thinks this, but anyone who thinks the, the crew bunkered, crew did not bunker. The crew played an excellent game. They created chances. If not for Luis Robles, the crew put this game out of reach in the first like ten minutes. Luis Robles had like at least three top shelf saves. Uh, the crew, man, they, they just figured out the, the perfect game plan to, to expose the Red Bulls and to really kind of circumvent uh, that pressure that the Red Bulls likes to put on teams. And, and, and once again, man, you got to take your, take your hat off to Greg Berhalter because he, you know, he, as much as everyone knows about uh, the crew and how they like, to, they like to knock the ball around, they like to possess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I talked to, I talked to goalkeeper Steve Clark after the match and he, and he made an ex- excellent point that, you know, it's not that their style is to knock the ball around. It's their, they, like their approach is to take advantage of what's, what, what, what an opponent gives you. And, and in most cases, their possession game can just, can just beat opponents. But in this case with the Red Bulls and the high pressure and the pressure their midfield puts on, the game was there to be won by going over the top, going to Philly and Kamara and Merrim and letting them do the work. And and, and credit to them, man. It worked like a charm. Yeah. I mean, look, for Columbus, a lot of things went well for them. For New York, though, Ivis, I mean, we, we talked about this last match, and, and that was the midfield battle between New York and Columbus. You know, game of matchups. You know, can New York come through? I mean, they had a difficult time dealing with Tony, Tony Chani throughout the entire series of this one. He had another money game in New York on a Sunday against his team. But the one thing for New York that really stood about, that stood out for me, Ivis, in this game, which is so uncharacteristic of them all season long, was just how they transitioned from defense to midfield. On Sunday, I mean, New York had so much time, Ivis, but they seemed to be pushing the effort too much, trying to knock it forward, not trying to gain possession. I mean, that first leg in Columbus, I mean, New York only lost 2-0, but I feel like that late goal by Columbus, I don't want to say that messed with New York's psyche too much but it just seemed that New York was almost in panic mode throughout the entire match with we need to get the ball up the field as fast as possible without worrying how we're going to get it up there I, I, I don't know I, I think the crew defense deserves credit I think I really think it's about what they did and especially their wingers I mean they're full I mean they're fullbacks uh Waylon Francis and Harrison that full were outstanding yes. and they really 
they really just kind of took the they took the wings off the Red Bulls. To, to be, yeah, it, it literally and figuratively. Waylon Francis, I mean, he locked up he locked up Lloyd Sam like he was a U.S. Marshal. It was unbelievable. Like you did not hear from Sam when Sam was working on Waylon Francis' side, and they even at one point had to uh, flip flop Sam over to the opposite wing to see if he could get something going there, and he did. He got a little bit going, uh, but Afu was solid as well. So I mean, the two of them were so big and so key. Um, to, to what the crew were able to do, because once the Red Bulls didn't have Lloyd Sam and Mike Grella uh, to, to really kind of give them some width, uh, it, it once again relied on the midfield to try to create. And but thing, the difference is between Bradley Wright Phillips and Kai Kamara, Bradley Wright Phillips isn't a guy you're going to pump the ball to and have him hold the ball up and, no. and have people run off him. That's not his style. So once you once you eliminate the wings and once you limit them to the middle – uh, the Red Bulls, their, their central midfielders really aren't equipped to, to deliver those killer balls uh, to really unlock the crew defense. And I'm t- it's just a, it was just a perfect game plan. Uh, but I, you know, as much as you could say the Red Bulls, you know, didn't do enough. I, for me, the it was it was about the crew. It was about what the crew did. It's about what their defense did. I really think it was more it was that more than it was about what the Red Bulls didn't do. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, look, Columbus right now, all levels, everything is just working out for them. For New York, Ivis. The end of the off season, um, it's so different what a year makes. How New York's entering this off season compared to last year. Um, look, you could say that the year was a success for New York, Ivis, based off how things started for them. However, though, I mean they're they're still going to need to do some things this off season, you know, to keep pace and then you know continue to push for that elusive MLS Cup uh, title that they've been searching for forever. Right, right. I mean, as much as it's painful, it's a painful way to end the season for them, especially when they they almost almost pulled off the comeback. I know when Bradley Wright Phillips hits the post uh, in, in, in the final minute, and the ball is just kind of bouncing. <laughs> it was like unbelievable. It was like seriously. It was in, it was like a movie. It was slow motion. Well, I was waiting. I was like, "Where's the New York guy following up on that?" I'm like, I'm like looking, looking, looking. It was oh my gosh, slow motion. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. There was replays, and you could see Sean Wright Phillips kind of five feet away from it, kind of almost wanting to celebrate it or kind of body, trying to use his body language to get the shot in. And I know some people were kind of like, oh, see, if he would have followed it up, he would have yes, scored. I know. He, but... was, he wasn't that close. I mean, you can get on him for not hustling, but I don't think he gets there. I think I think the crew the, the crew player was already kind of stepping in there. So uh, I, don't, I don't think anyone should go blaming Sean Wright Phillips for, for not scoring there. But uh, no, the, as far as the Red Bulls go – it's still a great season. It's still something to build on. You come away from this loss feeling like it's it was a season to build on, and it was a it was a run to build on. Last year, last year felt more like an ending. Last year, and and that was even before we knew about Mike Becky uh, not returning. It felt like it was the end of an era because you knew Terry Henry. Well, you kind of you kind of knew Terry Henry was coming back. Coming back, you, you pretty much knew Tim Cahill wasn't coming back. There were going to be there was going to be shakeups uh, shakeups galore there. Um, now with the Red Bulls, to be fair, it's not like they're going to return everybody either. And I think that's it's a little early now. I know some people probably don't want to hear, it, but there, there could definitely be some people who are not around in 2016, some key players. And then there's going to be some decisions that that Ali Curtis and, J- and Jesse Marsh are going to have to make. And you know, when, when you're talking about guys like Dax McCarty, who's going to be heading into the last year of his deal. Uh, do they keep him if he can't? If they can't work out a deal, do they trade him? I know there's been talk about Orlando, uh, which is where he's from. And if you're the Red Bulls and you're getting into a situation where, all right, 
after 2016, Dax McCarty becomes a free agent. And under the new CBA, he, he's someone who qualifies to as a, someone who can just leave for, for nothing. So if you're the Red Bulls, you're kind of looking at it like, well, if we can't get him to sign a new deal and we're going to risk losing him for nothing in 2017, is it time to cut bait and, you know, trade him, trade him to the trade him to Orlando City? I'm sure Orlando City would be willing to uh, pay a pretty penny for him. So that's something to think about. Uh, you have Mike Matt Miazga, another player who obviously he had a breakout year. Mm-hmm. Some people probably think like, wait a minute, what, what's what's going on with him? Well, for those who are unaware, he, next year is the last year of his deal. He has not re-signed a new deal. And you know when when you get a young player going into the final year of his deal, teams get antsy. Teams have to make a decision on whether they want to sell. And I can tell you right now, it would absolutely not shock me at all. And I would probably bet more money on him not coming back. Yeah, there's than no way I, he's coming back. Well, I, I mean, there's a. I'm planning to write about the whole the whole situation uh, shortly enough, and I'd say there's there there is there are scenarios where he could be playing with the Red Bulls in 2016, but uh, it's not a foregone conclusion. Number one, and number two, Europe, Europe is definitely a possibility uh, for the for the under 20 midfielder. I mean, I'm sorry. The the U.S. now the U.S. Yeah, national there you team go. <laughs> center back. Uh, I got I got darn to nag me on the brain now. No, but no, Miazga might not be back. Uh, you have to look at. Uh, there's so many question marks there. Um, so there's that. There's also what will the Red Bulls ownership do? What, how will they look at the season? Mm-hmm. How will they decide? You know what? How do we want to spend our money? Uh, I know they went and got Gonzalo Verón, but are they going to maybe? Ch- Want to spend? Try to go get a big, a big high-profile uh, DP. I know they were supposed to kind of get away from that, but will they really? Uh, there are a lot of questions. A lot of questions. This is not going to be a case of the same Red Bulls team coming back in 2016. Uh, that's not happening. Well, look, I'll say this: Curtis and Jesse Marsh both have big off seasons ahead of them. I mean, I don't want to gloss over that this year a lot of things worked out for them. But I mean, come on, life's a lot of things worked out where you come in, take over, you get as far as you did. I mean, this offseason is going to be work for the New York Red Bulls. They have to do work. They just can't can't get away with how well, they got away yeah, this year. Right, but they're heading in a good direction. I mean, I yeah, think they, they have they are, a they are. They, I think they have a good understanding of how they want to play, uh, how, the system they want to play, the the style they want to play. Now they can go into this offseason into a full offseason. Um, with that in mind, with that approach in mind. And they have talent coming up the pipeline, too. I mean, they have some young, young players who, who can get a chance. I mean, look at a guy like Gonzalo Verón, who he came in in the middle of the season, really didn't have a chance to, to show everything he can do. Once he has a full off season, I think next year he'll he'll be able to make a bigger impact. You have uh, Sean Davis, a player for me, a midfielder, who he didn't play a ton, but he is a guy, if you're the Red Bulls, and you're put in a situation where you need to trade someone like a Dax McCarty. Sean Davis is a guy you can plug in and have him be that young academy product that you give uh, an opportunity to really play and blossom. And I think in in the opportunities that he got, I thought he looked pretty damn good. So I mean that the future the future is pretty bright there. There's some there's some talent coming up. They have they have a ton of uh, of academy players who who are in college right now doing well in college that that they could sign. I mean, I think they could they could get two to two to three academy players that they can add this this winter. So it's a, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be a much better off season this this winter than it was last winter. Well, on the other side of the ball, Columbus Crew. I mean, Ivis, we see so many times in sports where a new ownership group comes in with a new coach, says all the right things, but fails to deliver. And and that's not just on those on on those individuals. I mean, sports is very difficult. Things happen. You're always competing. It's not the easiest thing in the world, you know, to to come in and have this vision. You got. I, I got to give props to the crew. 
I mean, for what they've been able to do since Anthony Precourt took over in the two years, bringing in Greg Burrowhalter, excuse me, having that vision, you know, having already players there um, that they were able to get you to that next level, but be, being able to bring in guys like Marco Parkhurst, Kai Kamara. I mean, for the crew, Ivis, what they've been able to do in two years is incredibly impressive. No, excellent. They've done they've done an excellent job. Uh, and Burhalter, man, he 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 deserves a lot of the credit. I mean, he's the guy. He's the coach. He's the technical director. And I always kind of joke about the fact that he really makes a point, or the crew make a point, uh, to always kind of introduce him and identify him as head coach and technical director. And it's kind of always like it, it. It's always it seems forced almost in a way. But you know what? He deserves. It needs to be pointed out that he is the guy who built this team. He is the guy who went and made the signings. Uh, it's not him working with a GM. It's him. He's the guy. And and when you look at the way they built this team, I mean, they built a, a top to bottom, very solid team. And not only is the, is their eleven balanced and and strong, they have depth. They have players off the bench. I mean, uh, I thought late in that game when Harrison Afool was hurt and they bring in Chris Clute. Oh, I know. Uh, I mean, <laughs> come on, like this guy would start on most teams in MLS. Uh, you know, during the year, whenever, you know, if, if uh, on the occasions that Kai Kamara wasn't available or, or, or needed to come out, you have Jack McInerney, who's an excellent young player who's bounced around, but is has tons of talent and I think could start on a lot of teams in MLS. Uh, Cedric Mabwati, who uh, Red Bulls fans will hate for forever because of the goal he scored in the first leg. I mean, he's excellent. So, I mean, just to, it, it's one thing to build a, a strong lineup, but it's another to, to build a, such a well-balanced lineup mm-hmm. and still have depth. And uh, credit to Greg Brawlter, he's been able to do it. And, I, and I'll be the first to say it, and I, and, and I always admit when I'm wrong. When he was hired, I actually criticized the crew. I, did, I didn't think – I didn't know I didn't know if it was the, the greatest hire. And part of the reason at the time was because when you looked at his track record in Sweden, uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the greatest, at least when you look at it from the results standpoint – so for me, I thought, you know what? There were some other candidates that I thought might have been a better, better look there, and I was wrong. I be, I'm here. I, my hand, I, I, I raised my hand. I was wrong, and you know what? It's what I get for going against the Jersey guy. I never go against Jersey guys. <laughs> I always give Jersey guys full, uh, un, 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 you know, undenied support and credit to the guy. Here he is in New Jersey, uh, a, a free kick away from where he used to play high school soccer. He played at St. Benedict's, mind you which is in Newark, right across the river from Red Bull Arena. And he gets his team to the final. Uh, outstanding work by him. He deserves all the credit. Yeah. it's Look, it's just a great job by the crew. I mean, it's amazing, Ivis. I mean, to, just where this franchise was just a few years ago to where it they was, are now. It, it was stagnating. It, it was. was. Stag- there was a point it was stagnating. But now you, you see it. Uh, you see the, the rejuvenated fan base. You see that now that they're drawing crowds. Because they weren't drawing crowds. There was a period of time there where – where you know you look at crew games and it just it was just dead, it was just dead. And even even when they won the title in in 08, that didn't really lead to a big wave of of, of increased support. Um, but now now there's a good vibe there, and who knows who knows what happens? Maybe they build a new stadium. I mean I don't know where that is in the works because you know as much as Crew Stadium was like the original soccer specific stadium, it's pretty far low on the list of soccer stadiums now. So. You know what? If they can put a, if they can build a new stadium, a crew stadium 2.0, and, and figure out where to put that, maybe that's the next step. But and you know what? An MLS Cup would certainly help that. So yeah. we'll see. A bit, a big times ahead for the crew. Yeah, I mean, look, this franchise is taking back to back years, massive steps forward. I mean, if the crew is taking at that title, whew, 
mean, that's another massive step. Over in the Western Conference, Portland Timbers on the road. They play FC Dallas to a 2-2 draw. It doesn't matter because Portland wins on the aggregate. They move on to the MLS Cup Final, their first appearance ever. And, uh, and Ivis, this game, same thing, man. Four goals in the second half. Portland gets a late goal. And, uh, dude, Caleb Porter, man, your boy, MLS, hey. he's in. He's in. Hey, I just want to say, how for, for all the times you, you, you got on me, for sticking with the Timbers, you got on me. You give me all sorts of crap, but I said no. They believe you got. They have it. There's something there. I've been saying it for so long. I've been accused of having a second family in Portland because of my support for the Timbers. <laughs> I tell you what, I I I, I, I always I, you you looked at that team and you always had the sense that they could do more, that they could be better, and they have found that level. They found that level that you always felt like they could reach. Um, and now they've hit their stride, and they are looking good, man. They look. They. I don't know who they couldn't beat right now, man. The way they're playing, uh, their defense is organized. Their attack is playing with confidence. The poise they showed in Dallas, yep. in Frisco, in the first half of that game. I mean, they were in complete control. Like it was like, like they they didn't look bothered in the least. And and I know some people say, oh, second half they fell apart. Blah blah. blah. You know, credit to you. Got to give FC Dallas some credit, right? FC Dallas is the kind of team. Uh, it, it's like when it's like they, their fight or flight, uh, their fight or flight mechanism is, is impressive because when they feel elimination coming, they kick it up and they they you can't stop them. They but the problem with FC Dallas was they waited too long in both these games to show what they could do, and uh, it was almost a little kind of almost too casual. I mean, the first leg it was the same thing. First leg, they let Portland have the game. They let Portland take the game to them, and it and it took it being two zero for them to wake up. Uh, and in this game, it was a similar situation. First half, I know they tried to go at them. They try, credit the, the Portland's defense; they did its job. But you just didn't feel like there was the urgency that there needed to be from from, from FC Dallas, no. partic- particularly in the first half. And you, get, the, the the Timbers deserve credit for that. On, on some level, on, on one degree, because they were so organized. And when they got the ball, they they knew what to do with it. They were able to move it around. Um, they weren't chasing the game. FC Dallas early on, they put some pressure early on. Uh, uh, they, 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 had, they had a decent amount of the ball early on, but they didn't do enough with it. But then Portland settled into a groove from about the 15th minute on through the 60th minute where they just were they were just chilling. They were just knocking it around. They were like not only were they knocking it around, but the de- the def- their defensive organization was unbelievable because no matter where FC Dallas went with the ball, there were there were two or three Timbers players there waiting. Like they 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 the Timbers were just playing so like it was just perfect. They were playing they they were playing so well um until FC Dallas once they, once they scored that goal the uh, to to make it 4 to 1 on aggregate. Then FC Dallas was like, oh, no. And then they woke up and they scored the two goals uh, to make it a contest. But you, you always felt like FC Dallas was going to win this one. And you did feel like Dallas was going to win this game. I mean, after Portland scores the opening goal, Dallas storms back and scores two goals. Um, but but the one thing that stands out for me in this game, I have a, and we do talk about this quite a lot on this show, is having your DP step up when you need them to step up. These are the game changers, the difference makers. And, and that was the difference for Portland in this game. I mean, you get a goal from your DP, um, Adi. Borchers comes up. I know he's not a DP, but he's one of your bigger players, comes up with a huge save. And then Lucas Molano scores a goal at the very end of the match. I mean, that's what you want to see. You want to see your DPs in the box scoring sheet. You want to see your veterans coming up big. I mean, at the end of the day, 
that's the difference for me. Portland, at the end of the day, had their DPs, had their bigger name guys step up when they needed them most. I'm not saying Dallas didn't have that, but Portland's players shined above Dallas on Sunday. Well, to be fair, I mean, I feel like all over the field they they, they stepped up. I mean, I don't know, I don't know many Portland players who didn't step up. Of course. course. When you think about it, I mean, defensively, the fullbacks were outstanding. Uh, Alvis Powell and, and and Jorge Villafania were excellent. Nat Borchers with that big block on Blasquez late. I mean, that was unbelievable. Uh, and you know what? I'm gonna give Caleb Porter some credit. I mean, he he think about this now. First leg, like, they went three to one. Uh, and and it might be easy to look at that and say, hey man, you you just beat them three to one. Why would you change your lineup? And you know what he said? No, I have faith in my first choice guys. I'm gonna plug Diego Valeri back in. I'm gonna plug Ronnie Wallace back in. And they rewarded that faith. They they step in there, Diego Valeri. Obviously, you're not. Gonna, it's it's pretty tough to bench Diego Valeri, but uh, he 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 has sets up both goals. Wallace did well uh, everywhere, everywhere on the field. They did well, and 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 yes, there, there was that shaky stretch where there were those two free kick goals for FC Dallas, or not free kick, but you know set piece, uh, long ball service that that caused Portland some problems, but. I mean, they, it was a balanced game, much just like Columbus. And that's the thing that, that's what's great about these games and great about the MLS Cup that we have now, the MLS Cup final that we have now, is that it isn't – honestly, it isn't about the DPs. It's about the, it's about the balance that these teams have and, and, and the fact that they're, they're from top to bottom. Uh, they, it's not like they have glaring holes. I mean, they have quality all over, all over, all over the field. And, yes – Portland does have a couple, you know, Lucas Milano's a DP, doesn't even start for them. Uh, Diego Valeri wasn't a DP when he arrived. They gave him a DP contract. He earned it once he, you know, came in. It was it was amazing. So uh, it, it's really for both these teams, it's been about the balance that they have. Because, hey, Federico Higuain's a DP now, too, for Columbus. But mm-hmm. it's not really about him. It's about everybody. It's about their fullbacks. Both these teams. You could argue these are the two best sets of fullbacks in MLS. And they've been huge in this in in these playoffs and by the way we'll touch on the fullback situation when we talk about a best 11 and how there were no fullbacks on mls best 11 that's a travesty but we'll get into that later but for me man i know some people will look at it and say oh this is a terrible final it's not there's no whoever says that whoever says that's crazy no right well look the the thing is is it gonna is this something that's going to attract a casual soccer fan who doesn't know anything about mls maybe not but you know what? Any casual soccer fans who don't follow MLS, who actually fi- end up watching this game or who say, you know what? I want to see what MLS is about. I want to see the championship. This is going to be a great game. I, I have zero doubt. I would put I put all sorts of money on this being a great game. And, and it's because both teams are well balanced. Both teams uh, have excellent coaches who are tech, who are really strong tacticians, and this is going to be a, a chess match. Let me tell you, this is a te- these are two of the more cerebral coaches in the league, bar none. And and I guarantee you, they they are they're going to spend a lot of time crunching crunching the figures, crunching the stats, crunching the the variations, looking at tape, breaking it down, both sides, uh, and, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch. I can't wait. Well, as you just said, Portland, Columbus still have time to prepare. FC Dallas, Ivis, they enter the offseason. Some big question marks for them, too. You still have your core group of young guys. Great for Oscar Pereja and FC Dallas. Some questions, though. I mean, do you want to bring back Boss Perez? What do you want to do with uh, Fabian Castillo? I mean, Dallas does have some questions here going into the offseason. Well, I th- I'm a, FC Dallas, I think, is uh, you can argue, is in a little better shape than the Red Bulls, only from the standpoint of, of the fact that their biggest players – pretty much locked up to contracts 
as far as I know, when you, when you don't want to talk about Diaz, Castillo. I know there's a lot of talk about Castillo and they're being interested in Mexico and, and even in Europe. And, and do they sell? Do they not sell? So, yeah, there, I mean, there is a question there. But as far as I know, as far as the rest uh, of their guys, whether it's Mauro Diaz, Matt Hedges, uh, Kellen Acosta, uh, Zach Lloyd, I, I, as far as I know, a lot of their guys are, are, have, have signed contracts in the last year or two. So they, they, they should be able to keep that unit together. And I think they're a team that can spend more money and that they're a team that can go out and get a designated player, go get another big piece. Um, so, so that they're, it, I'd say what they're a team, they will be back. No, there's no question about it. SC Dallas will be back. They'll be even better next year. All those young guys, all from Jesse and Gonzalez, yeah. up, Walker Zimmerman, Zach Lloyd. Um, well, not Zach Lloyd's not, he's been around a long time now, but uh, Kellen Rowe, uh, Ryan Hollingshead, who's in his second year and, and, and got some burn. Uh, oh, first, they, I want to say that that goal that he scored, he was like way too casual on that. <laughs> I mean, that was like, I don't want to say that was an impossible goal, but he made that look way too he's easy. He's hey, man, no big deal. No he big looked, deal. I mean, he's but, just like, uh, they walk up and, oh, we put in the back post. I mean, He's, 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 hey man, the guy—he built the church, so I think he can do anything. Let's be honest. I don't, I don't think he gets too 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 worked up. No, but you got Kellen Acosta. They, you know, they they have a ton of young talent there that they're going to be able to build around Victor Uyoa. Yes. Uh, so so yeah, man, they're 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 a team that I think if they keep that group together, and they can add and they can go on the international market. Blas Perez, you know, he's at a point now where. It might be time to say goodbye. I mean, he he's been a great servant to them, someone who's been a big part of what they what they've done the last few years. But he's up there now in his career. Like it, it might be time to move on there. But I think when you when when you when you move off move away some of the some of these players that they can kind of part with, uh, guys like Dan Kennedy, uh, who I'm sure will be starting somewhere in MLS next year, uh, they can take that salary cap space and go sign a couple of players. And and I think that's why I think they're going to be even stronger. Um, Next year, if, now look if they if they sell Fabian Castillo, that's gonna be a big blow, no question about it. Um, however, having said that, they've they've done a pretty good job of, of of hitting in the international market. Look at Michael Barrios, man. Michael Barrios, excellent pickup, excellent signing by Fernando Clavijo. So, you know what? If they if they go sell Fabian Castillo for seven million, eight million, whatever it ends up being, uh, you know what? That's money that they can reinvest, and it's an opportunity maybe to bring up another young player, another academy player to to fill that void. And we all know how big FC Dallas's academy system is too. I mean, they do have players that are slowly coming up. I mean, it's FC Dallas could be in a good position. I miss for a few years here. All right, Evis. Well, earlier today during the halftime of uh, the Dallas Portland Timbers game, Major League Soccer announced its best eleven. And I feel like you already have a couple issues with it. There's no fullbacks being on it. But for the most part, Ivis, though, when you do look at what did come out from Major League Soccer, I mean, for the most part, you could say that it looks like an A minus. It looks pretty close to what it should be. No, I mean, for the most part, the issue, the main issue for me, and I think, and apparently it sounds like Taylor Tloman agreed with me. I, I didn't get to hear his comments on on the best 11, but it sounds like they were similar to, to, to what I said. But I, I just think we're at a point now where we need to start acknowledging fullbacks and, and not have it just be kind of a mishmash of, 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 of forward, as many forwards as you can get in, as many center backs as you can get in. Um, it just needs to be a little bit closer to what we see on a day on a, you know, game to game basis. And I know some people argue, well, Hey, not all teams play the same formations. 
That's all well and good. But you know what? All teams have fullbacks. No team in MLS plays a 3-5-2. No team in MLS plays 3-4-3. No team in the league plays three center backs. Every team in the league plays fullbacks. That means there are 20 right backs. There are 20 left backs. Why are they not being represented in, in, in the best 11? Because, I mean, why, why have a goalkeeper? Why is the goalkeeper mandatory? You know what I mean? Like, like that. That's for me. Like, because you can just make the same argument there. So that that's why for me. Like, I and and I'll fully acknowledge that for a long time, I when I would do best elevens, I would just pick whatever because it's just easier. It's just easier. But then you know what? When you look at it and you look at this at the way the game is played and the quality that there is in the league, like you you need to acknowledge and reward the players who are the best at the positions that, that that are most prominent in the league i mean think about it if you want to if you want to be fair there's a lot of teams in the league who only play one forward so they're actually i mean i don't know off the top of my head but i mean the two teams that played in the red bull arena tonight columbus crew new york red bulls they both play one forward so that's at least two right there right sporting kansas city quite a bit plays can, can play one forward Portland Timbers, quite a bit, 1-4. So you could argue, hey, why are there three forwards on best 11? Why not have two why – not, why not have, you know, why not have two fullbacks? Uh, so, you know, if, if we're going to go with this 3-4-3, three, three, then I, you know what? It's easy to – it's easy to look at that best 11 that was chosen and say, you know what? It's uh, – bravo. Like, it's a good group. There's no real shocks once you take that into account. Once you say, you know what? It doesn't matter. There's no fullbacks. We're going to have three forwards. Then, yes, Robbie Keane should be on. Uh, if you're asking me what is the ideal best 11, ideal best 11, 4-4-2, two fullbacks, two center backs, a defensive midfielder, an attacking midfielder, a left wing, a right wing, and two forwards, right? And if you went by that, um, Robbie Key wouldn't make it because you'd have Kai Kamara and Sebastian Javinko would be your forwards. I think everyone outside of L.A. would agree with that. Uh, and then you want to talk about your defense, who, which center back do you leave off? I know there'd be a lot of debate there. Because a lot of people love Lawrence Simon, a lot of people love Kendall Waston. Uh, I feel like less people love Matt Hedges, even though I personally think he was Defender of the Year. So there could be some questions well, what there. About, what about Matt Miazga? Come on, Ives. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> no. Anyway, uh, but I don't know. For me, when I look at the way the year went, and, 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 the, and it's funny because the playoffs have been a big showcase for fullbacks and the importance of fullbacks. Because, again, look at the teams in MLS Cup in the final they're the two teams with the two best sets of fullbacks. And those fullbacks have been huge in the playoffs. And those fullbacks have been very good all year. Alvis Powell has been very good all year. I mean, you could you could argue about his passing percentages and how he could be a little sloppy with the ball. But the guy is an absolute terror in all the measurables when you want to talk about stats like recoveries and and and, and uh, you name it, like all, all the defensive stats that, like Opta stats that that you know maybe the average Joe does isn't fully aware of. But Alvis Powell is a beast. He's one of the best right backs in the league. Uh, Jorge Villafaña has been one of the best left backs Wait, in the league. Jorge Villafaña has been money in the playoffs. I know. Yeah, I, I, I feel like we haven't given him justice at all. But I, and that's my fault because I've been wanting to talk about him. But he has been lights out for Portland last. Couple oh no, games. absolutely. I mean, I remember a few weeks ago I I, I mentioned him. As someone who should get a call for the January camp, 
for the U.S. national team. And I had people getting on me about that. Like, oh, here's another guy. You, th- you know, you just throw names out. I'm like, first of all, I don't go saying everybody deserves a call up. And I know there are people out there who do that. There are people out there who <laughs> it's only it's hilarious to me. There's so there, there's some so-called experts out there who think everyone and their mother should be a national team call up. Everyone and their mother should be a generation Adidas signing. Everyone and their mothers are going to be a first round pick in MLS draft. Like there's 58 picks in the first round. There, there's people who just like to like hyperbolize. I do not hyperbolize with, with national team call ups. I'm pretty pinpoint. Like I, I, there's, you know, if I see a guy who I think is good enough, he's, I say he's good enough. But I'm not like that. I don't say it about all players. If Biafine is a guy, I think it's shown in MLS this year that he's been outstanding and he works. He's worthy of a yeah. general. Well, just, but, just the last game against FC Dallas, the first leg. Just, just watch that. I think that right. should be well, enough for people to. Right. to and not to only that, not right. And we're not just talking about America. Waylon Francis, man, Waylon Francis. You could argue was man of the match against the Red Bulls tonight. I mean, he shut down Lloyd Sam. He shut down Lloyd Sam. I mean, Lloyd Sam. I think called. I think he called the cops at halftime uh, to to like ask for like an order of protection because he could not get away from him. Actually, Lloyd Sam had to switch field and, and, and try out the opposite side of the field because he just needed to get away from Wayland Francis. That's how good. It, that's when you know someone has has locked you down, has locked a midfielder down. When the guy when Lloyd Sam has played on the right wing ninety five percent of the time this year, ninety percent. And he went over to the left because he's like, you know what? I'm not dealing with that. I'm going to go over here and try Harrison out fool for a while. Um, but yeah, but back to the point. There are I – will, I will readily admit fullback has been a weak position in MLS traditionally through the years. And that's probably part of the reason why it, it's kind of become a forgotten position when it comes to best 11. But I think we're, be, I think we're at the point now with the quality of, the, uh, the, of, of defender improving in the league and the quality of fullback improving in the league. I think we're at a point now where MLS needs to start acknowledging fullbacks. It's time to start making sure they have a place in best 11 because if it's a position that all 20 teams in the league have and use every single game, then they should be part of best 11, period. I mean, how many positions can you say that about, uh, honestly, that, uh, uh, that, that every team has? Goalkeeper, two center backs. Two fullbacks, uh, and a defensive midfielder, and an attacking midfielder, and a striker. Right? I mean, that's pretty much it. Because I mean, even wingers, there's all different kinds of wingers you could play: four-two-three-one, uh, <clears throat> or four-four-two, what have you. But the point is, every team has a fullback. So, th- so why in the world are there no fullbacks on best eleven? It's conspiracy, Ivis, to piss you off. It's not conspiracy. No, no. You know what it is? It's just, <laughs> it's just something that's a little outdated. And it's time to change. And hopefully, there, hopefully there will be a clamoring for it uh, now. Hopefully, there'll be you know people will kind of look at it and say, you know what? Yeah, it's true. Like there are, if every team in the league has has fullbacks, mm-hmm. why are they not? Well, well, especially fullbacks that that can deliver for their team. I mean, you know, it's it's one thing to have guys out there, but some of the guys that you listen, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think of some other guys. I mean, Chris Tierney, we all know what he's been able to do for right. Chris the last Tierney, couple of years. Marcus Beasley, yeah. Tyrone Mears, Tyrone Mears, even though he faded toward the end of the season, in the first half season, he was outstanding. And actually, I put Tyrone Mears first team best 11 when I did I did uh, MLS best 11 for goal.com. And I'll readily say, you know what? I was really torn between Tyrone Mears and Alvis Powell, Tyrone Mears and Alvis Powell. I actually changed my mind now. And if you ask me now what my best 11 was for 2015, I'm going to go Alvis Powell. And it's not even about the playoffs. It's just about the fact that, you know what? I'm not even going to punish Alvis Powell anymore because of his low passing completion percentage. He's done so much all year defensively, especially toward the end of the season. 
that he's good enough to be best 11. So, but the point is, it's more of an impact position now than it's ever been. You're exactly right. I mean, look, you, you just look at the available left backs, right backs. I mean, look, there's a good group of players, 10, 15 guys that you can put together that are pretty solid. I think the one thing, though, obvious that we need to do is we need to say who actually made it to the best 11 for defense, which we have yet to do. So you have Lawrence Simon, um, Kendall Watson, and Matt Hedges. Those are the three guys who made it, which <laughs> we should have said that at the very beginning, Ivis. Right. I, I, all excellent picks. They all had outstanding seasons. But there should be two fullbacks on that team. Goalkeeper Luis Robles. I mean, goalkeeper the Ivis, No controversy there. No, I mean, some people will definitely question whether or not David Osted deserved a better shout, and and I, I agree. Osted had a had a goalkeeper of the year caliber type season, uh, especially when you look at the stats. Uh, whether you look at the basic stats or even when you look at the advanced stats. I mean, he really did well in the stats department, but, you know, as someone who watched, I mean, I watched a lot of games, uh, Robles really, really bailed the Red Bulls out on a lot of occasions. And, and, and I think it, it, it's kind of easy to, to over almost not realize just what he meant to that team because they won so many matches. Obviously, they won a supporter shield, but there were a lot of games that, that he really bailed that Red Bulls defense out. And uh, I, I, I mean, honestly, it's because of him that, that you had guys like Miazga and Perinel get so much get so much hype and attention this year when the reality is a lot of times they made mistakes that he covered up for and, and I think enough people saw that and I think that's why at the end of the day, you know, he, he got the knot. Midfield, uh you have Fabian Castillo, Benny Philhaver, Dax McCarty, Ethan Finley. I know you can pull Coles in there, maybe find some way to put someone else in there. That's those a, four guys. I that's, mean, that's that's pretty that's money. The four. Yeah, like that's you the cannot. Four. Like, Listen, that's difficult if, to replace some the, of those guys. I mean, whether you go by positions or you don't go by positions, that is the four. That's I'm a sorry. Good four. That's a very really good four. And, and I know. Yes. Could you make an argument for other guys? Sure. Could you say Mauro Diaz? Yeah. Okay. Great season. But I'm sorry. Benny Felipe is the best playmaker this year. Ethan Finley's been the best right winger this year. Fabian Castillo has been the best left winger this year. And Dax McCarty has been the best defensive midfielder this year. I know people in Vancouver will say Matias Laba. Uh, you know, Columbus people say Tony Chani, whatever. For me, that four is about as rock solid as you're going to get. And then the forwards up top, since you have three, you have Robbie Keane, Kai Kamaro, and Sebastian Jovinko. Again, great picks, and you know what? There's no problem. Robbie Keane's excellent. Robbie Keane's still one of the best players in the league, no question. But you know what? For me, there should only be two forwards on there, and if there's only two forwards on there, he doesn't make it. He doesn't make it. You know, he doesn't make it. Javinko and Kamara were just better, so they deserve their spots. And I know some people say, "Oh, how do you leave Robbie Keane off? He's amazing." But I look, I get it. He's amazing. But you know what? If there's only two spots, you don't just make a third for him. That's like saying, "You know what, man? David Osted was so good. Why don't we just have two goalkeepers on best eleven? Let's just, you know, <laughs> let's have two. Def- let's just do two defenders and two goal. Why not? Where do we stop? Where does it stop? Right? I mean, I don't know. You can just get crazy with it. But for me, uh, Kamara and Javinko are pretty much as, as much as no brainers as you'll get. Uh, the guys who are probably going to finish 1-2 for MVP. The one thing I was, I'm really impressed by, the best 11, is all the U.S. men's national team players who are on the best 11. <laughs> Come on. I know, I know. Well, That's you know what? That's bad. That's best a bad 11. look. Not to even have one guy on there. Best el- nah, I mean, you know what? It is what it is, right? I know, it's tough. but it's... It, it's, <laughs> it's uh, I'd say this. It, 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 in, ideal, in a perfect world, all of those Americans would be in the January camp, every single one of them, right? Dax McCarty, Robles, Hedges, uh, Failhaber, 
and uh, Ethan Finley, right? They should all be in the January camp. Will, will any of them be there? Uh, maybe McCarty. Maybe Finley. Fin- Finley, yes. Come on. I agree. No, that's, I. That's 100% yes. That's a, like, no, if no, he's no, not there, something's going on. Just because we. I know, look, but if something's. If he's not in. Brisbane makes the call. Right. No, I agree. I agree. It, that's, it, it, it'd be a travesty. He, does, he deserves it. Ethan Finley deserves it. He's been outstanding all year, and he's been money in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the guys, he's shown it at every turn. I mean, look at look at what he's done to Kamar Lawrence. Kamar Lawrence, for my money, you could argue this year, been one of the best defensive left backs in the league. Lockdown left back. Uh, he, he impressed at Copa America. He's been, he's been excellent for Jamaica. But I tell you what, Ethan Finley owns him. Ethan Finley, Kamar Lawrence is going to have nightmares all winter about Ethan Finley. I mean, it's crazy. So... Yeah, I agree. Klinsman, he should Ethan Finley should be one of the first names that he writes. Now, does that mean Ethan Finley's going to light it up on the international level? No, it doesn't mean that. But he's played well enough to earn a look, especially at a position where, let's face it, there are not a ton of 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 top notch wing options. So why in the hell would you not bring him in? I mean, there are other guys. Yeah, look, Sebastian Legette, I think he deserves a look. I think Paul Ariola deserves a look. I mean, look, if you get Miguel Ibarra, how do you not have uh, Paul, Paul Ariola, who plays more than Miguel Ibarra in Mexico? So, anyway, we, we keep going down that rabbit hole. But Ethan Finley should be there. Matt Hedges should definitely be there. Mm-hmm. Benny Failhaber, we all, let's all agree, will not, probably not be there. Um, Dax McCarty, I mean, I think he's played well enough. So, we'll see. No robust? Mm. I know, I know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. He's, I don't know. He's not. He's not international level caliber. He's had a good year this year, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't that, know. that step to the international level is a, as you know, I was. It's a massive step. It's not just show yeah, and play. Like it's a huge step. Yeah, and it just in, in, yeah, in terms of what what's asked of you. I mean, I, you know, I like hey Steve Clark. I like Steve Clark. Nobody talks about Steve Clark. I tell you what, the guy handles the ball out. He passes well out of the back. He made a big save tonight for them to 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 keep the Red Bulls off the board early. Um, yeah, no, he's someone that could look at. But Robles, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you know what? He should. You know what? He should get an invite. He should get an invite. I think. I think. I think. When you had the year he had, he should get a look. Yeah. Problem is, he's thirty-one years old. Age is not on his side. He's emerging. I know. I know. I know. I'm just like saying. A teenager for a I'm just saying. But he, but that's what I'm saying is he fits into that weird age group where he's where you know where. Brad Guzon, I mean, come on. Brad Guzon's the number one for that age, for the that age group. Right, Brad. but look, Nick Romando yeah. is getting to a point now where it's that's time true. That's to true. Bomb. So maybe you need that kind of like calming presence, older third goalkeeper type. Uh, you know, when you maybe if if for whatever reason you don't think Bill Hamid is ready, or even when Bill Hamid is ready to step in, if Tim Howard, you know, finally moves on. I mean, that's going to come eventually, right? So I don't know. I don't know. You know, uh, for me. I think you find a way to give Robles an invite. See what happens. See how he looks. Give him a look. Well, Ivis, we got like another month and a half maybe to still debate who we call January camp. So I'll, I will table this conversation because I'm sure we'll talk about it on the next show. Um, interesting comments came out, Ivis, from Drogba talking about um, the level of competition in Major League Soccer, comparing it to the Premier League. Talking about difficulty, some some interesting comments by him. I mean, what exactly did Drogba say about the differences between Major League Soccer and the Premier League? 
Uh, I mean, what, what, here it is. What it boils down to is what he said was, and this isn't a new thing, he said that it's tougher playing in MLS than it is playing in the Premier League. And when he said that, he didn't mean – it wasn't that he was saying that the Premier, that the MLS is better than a Premier League. But from the standpoint of the challenges that players face being a player in the league when it comes to things like travel, uh, the different weather conditions, the playing surfaces, the different playing surfaces, all that stuff is challenging. And, you know, When you think about how pampered you have it playing in the Premier League where every stadium is perfect, every road trip is short – uh, yeah, your, you road, your road trip's ten minutes down the road. Yeah, or or, <laughs> or you know forty minute flights everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and it's, which, it, which it, is horrible. Charter flights all over the place. So like, yeah, it, it, there's a big difference between you know a, a one hour uh, flight from Manchester to London. Uh, you know, I totally guessed on that length, but or a six hour co- domestic uh, uh, you know commercial flight from you know Newark to LA or that kind of you know that kind of thing. So. He was just kind of pointing out all the different challenges that maybe people don't realize players have to face and why that makes it tougher. And, and you know what? And, and is anyone really surprised by that? I mean, the Premier when you when you're in the Premier League, you're living lavish. You're you know you're chartered flights, you're in five star hotels. You know the, well, the, the whole. The funniest thing I ever remember was was when uh, I saw commentary in a game where Manchester City went up to Newcastle and. The, and and I think City lost, and the, the announcer was like, "Oh, such a horrible trip for them! Three hour trip back to Manchester." I was like, three hours to like travel across the country?" I'm like, "That is so freaking easy." Well, first of all, they're not driving three hours. I can tell well, you that. Whatever it was, but the fact that it was three hours away, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I'm like, "That is so nice." I'm pretty sure Man City does not drive anywhere <laughs> as a team. No, there. no, I'm sorry. It was the fans. They were talking about the fans. Oh, right, go. Right. But, I mean, just even that, like, your away yeah. game is three-hour trip. Well, like, well, that's that, not yeah. horrible. For them, that's that's a lot. That's a lot. By but, the way, uh, you were right. London to Manchester is about an hour flight. Good guess on that. No, it's – well, I mean, I've done that. So, I mean, I, I, I couldn't – I think that sounded about right. But, uh, but yeah, no. So, you know what? So, that it, it, it's just, what's funny is – how people got bent out of shape because of the headlines that were generated by the comments. Because, of course, you're going to have some creative <laughs> headline writers who are going to kind of put it out of context because this is what you do. Well, he click, said – Yeah, I mean I, I wouldn't necessarily use the word clickbait, but uh, yeah. I mean he said it's more <laughs> difficult. He said, it, he said it. It's one thing if he didn't say those words, but he did say the words. So that's why for me – like when I think clickbait, I think – like and, and Yeah, but you meant- know what he's implying though. Like <laughs> if you title no, an I, article, Drogba says playing in Major League Soccer is difficult. I mean come on. More difficult. That's more difficult. Excuse me. More right. difficult. No, right. Well, he said the words, but that's the thing. Like for me, clickbait is when like you completely like blow up what they say, use different words, and it's not really what they said. He said these words. Now the context wasn't there, so okay, you could maybe say clickbait, but whatever. Point is, it was just funny to see the 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 the, the European soccer fans who are the anti MLS fans just get bent out of shape at anything that could be construed as a narrative. Uh, that MLS is a good league because look, you can never admit that. You can never say MLS is a good league uh, to some people. To some people, and you know, I, I think people call those folks Euro snobs. I think we've discussed this. Uh, being a fan of European soccer does not make you a Euro snob. But if you're a fan of European soccer and you spend a lot of your time crapping on MLS, which you don't even watch, then I think you qualify as a Euro snob. 
Well, I was speaking of Euro snobs, and for those who probably are, are dreading that we continue to talk Major League Soccer, we do actually have some European soccer to talk about. It almost took us an hour to finally get to it, but we, now we get to the Americans abroad, and Fabian Johnson Ivis scores a brace against his former team this past weekend. I mean, all of a sudden, Ivis, he's turning into a goal-scoring machine uh, in the month of November. What's that, three goals in a week? I mean, he scored in the Champions League. And now he scores two goals. He scores the late equalizer to help his team in the Bundesliga. So, no, man, he's fine. He he is on a roll. He's on a roll. And I'm sure somewhere Jurgen Klinsmann is going to find a way to take credit for this because that's what he does. <laughs> Jurgen Klinsmann takes credit for it. Jurgen will say he, uh, it inspired him when he subbed oh, yeah. off in Mexico. He that's fired what, him. Yeah, that's what inspired him. No, no, he him. followed him up by sending him home, by teaching him a yes. lesson. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnson soul search and think about what he takes for granted. And now he's playing out of his mind. Those words will come out of your Christmas mouth at some point in the next two months. Okay, maybe not, but would so, anyone so, something close enough? <laughs> I, 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 he's like uh, Jurgen Klinsmann is the Al Gore of uh, of coaches of, of, of soccer coaches because Al Gore, as we all remember, takes credit for everything, including inventing the internet. Well, he did do that. I just come on. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but. However, though, great job for Johnson with the brace. It's crazy. I mean, when we first started this show, I was, there were so many Americans to talk about in Europe and how good they were doing. I mean, it's few and far between we get to talk about Americans scoring goals in Europe. Hey, hey, we can also talk about DeAndre Ellen, who was back in the starting lineup for Sunderland, and he did help set up a goal in a big win for Sunderland. He uh, he had a throw-in assist. He threw the ball in, and and his teammate ran on, ran in and scored on off of that. Uh, Sunderland out of the bottom three now. All I know, of a sudden, I know it's amazing. Well, and I think Sunderland fans should make sure they they give. It's all because of DeAndre Andre Allen. <clears throat> you start an American and you will climb out of the cellar. And no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, that's not working for Aston Villa. Field player, field player, yeah, American field player. There you go. No, but uh, yeah, no, it's good to see Allen back in. He did. He obviously didn't start the previous week, so there was our. Anytime an American gets dropped from the lineup, you're like, oh, this is it. We're never going to see him again. <laughs> Uh, so it was good to see him back in, even though obviously there was a, one of his teammates, I believe, was was out on a suspension. So that's why he, he got the chance. But, hey, he made the most of it. And hopefully it's another opportunity for him to continue to get playing time for Sunderland. On the other hand, dude, Brad Guzan needs to get out of that sinking ship. Pray for Brad. Hashtag pray for Brad Guzan. Uh, yeah, you know, it's just it, everything's going wrong for Villa, man, and it, it's kind of crazy because you know they're pretty they're a pretty big club. I mean, they're not you know one of the you know usual Champions League great clubs, but they're a big, well supported club, and uh, it's kind of it's kind of crazy to think of them as a team that could possibly get get relegated. But they're in a they're way down in a hole right now, and I don't know what's going to turn around for them. But uh, I, I mean, I, I don't I don't know if anyone should necessarily be looking at Guzan as as being the reason. Like it's not his fault, folks. They have a lot of problems, and uh, I don't know if they're going to turn around. I don't know. And if you know what, if they if they do manage to get relegated, I I think it's a safe bet. Guzan will will end up on another team and end up back in the Premier League. Well, for Guzan, I mean, you still have a little bit longer until that winter transfer window opens, where he can hopefully move on uh, to another club. This past weekend, Ivis third on action for the College Cup is in the books, which means we're now in the quarterfinal matchups. And Ivis, uh, I mean, dude, some of the heavy favorites, some of the big dogs eliminated this past weekend. Yeah, no, it was funny because uh, obviously last weekend you really saw none of the heavy hitters get knocked off i think the top 12 seeds all advanced but uh things were always going to change uh once you got to the sweet 16 and and some of the big boys are out including my 
preseason number one, my preseason pick to win it all. And I, once again, the SBI jinx is in full effect. Georgetown is out. The number three seed loses. In penalty kicks to Boston College. Boston College, who wasn't even a seeded team, uh, converted all five of their penalty kicks, and they are on to the Elite Eight. Uh, very impressive uh, feat by Boston College, man. The Eagles, they, they they came into the tournament not really highly regarded. They had seven losses. I mean, seven losses is a lot for a team getting into the tournament, but they got in. Uh, obviously, on the strength of their their strong showing in the in the in the in the conference tournament, and now they're playing Syracuse, a, a team, another team that uh, maybe wasn't the most highly regarded team during the regular season, but they've really come on strong late. Uh, led by Julian Boucher, who is – when you want to talk about a player whose stock is soaring and who is gaining tons of Generation Adidas consideration, he, he's he's been on fire for them. And now that is going to be one of the quarterfinal matchups. And, and then on the other side of the bracket, you have number one seed Wake Forest, number eight seed Stanford. They got through. They avoided any upsets. And, yes, Jordan Morris is still alive in the tournament. Uh, he was dominant once again, uh, helped them beat Ohio State. Down to the bottom of the bracket, Creighton, number 12 seed, knocked off the number five seed, North Carolina North Carolina Tar Heels. And it's not a huge upset because let's remember now, Creighton was number one in the country for a big chunk of the season before they had a bit of a collapse late. They're still a top team. They still have Fabian Herbers and Timo Peter. They have some they have some top prospects there. So they're gonna be they're gonna be a force. But they play Akron in a game that is gonna be not too far from where MLS Cup is. Number 12, Creighton, faces number four, Akron. Akron has been one of the hottest teams in the country. And they they defeated SMU. Now they're into the quarterfinals. Uh, Richie Larea, the midfielder for them, is outstanding. He's starting to draw rays now as possible generation Adidas target. So I tell you what, man, I'm going to say it here. I'll be the first to say it. Someone needs to figure it out and find a way to move that game closer to Columbus so all of the national media that will be in Columbus for MLS Cup can watch this game because I looked at it, I looked it up on Google, and it's two hours from Columbus to Akron. It's a little far. I don't know if oh, everyone's. Oh, that's not that bad. Come on. Yeah, but we got you know we're all busy. We're all busy dealing with with MLS Cup. I think if you had if you had Creighton Akron like in Columbus, then everyone will be there. Darlington Agby, Will Trap, uh, Caleb Porter. I'll be there. I mean, come on. You, I'm, you I'm gotta... looking at the map. You could put it in a city called Mansfield. It's between Columbus and Akron. Do they even have a stadium there? I don't know. I've no, never heard of the yeah, city you before. Just, uh, point is, <laughs> hopefully they move it. Pro- let's be honest. We know they're not going to move it because, hey, the Akron, uh, the Akron uh, fans, the Akron students, they, they they should get a chance to support their team. And they, they, they have a good reputation for drawing great crowds out to their game. So, hey, that one's going to be a fun one to watch. And last but not least, number 10 seed Maryland knocked off Notre Dame 2-1. to one. They will now face number two seed Clemson, who continues to roll. Clemson won a shootout three to two over UCSB. Uh, credit to Clemson, man. They've really put together a good season, and 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 they're uh, that Maryland Clemson matchup. Former ACC rivals. Uh, obviously, Maryland is in the Big Ten now. For those who may have not even realized it, but yes, Maryland has moved to the Big Ten. But uh, there's plenty of history there between Maryland and Clemson. How legit is Boston College? Are, are they? I mean. They're clearly the Cinderella team here. I mean, are they are they that good? I mean, look, it's, it's one thing to you know beat Vermont in the first round, okay, then you beat South Florida ranked team, but then to beat Georgetown, I mean, that's legit. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's I'm always you always gotta be wary about a, an upset when it, it's on the strength of a penalty shootout, and you know you gotta give them some credit because they held them off, and 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 they deserve credit for that. You go five for five in a shootout, that's pretty good. Uh, but again, when you have seven losses, then you kind of start you start looking at it and you say, hey, who have they beaten this year really? And you kind of look at the schedule, and and they don't and they don't have a, a ton of huge wins. They do have a big win, and guess who they beat? They beat Syracuse. So uh, there you go. They actually beat Syracuse uh, back in October. They beat them two to one. So uh, they, they, they're they're legit. I mean, they they can beat you know they can beat a good team. They've already beaten Syracuse. Um, they played a tough schedule. To be fair to them, when we look at the teams they lost to, they lost Louisville, Clemson, Wake Forest. They actually lost to Clemson twice. Uh, they lost to Harvard. But hey, you know it's the Ivy League rivalries. You always you always chalk those up. But I tell you what. I think it's going to be tough for them to beat Syracuse a second time. I think, uh, you know, I think the Orange Men are going to come back strong and get a little revenge there. Well, the cool thing about the College Cup, Ivis, is most of these games are streamed live. I don't want to say they all are in case someone doesn't do it, but they are streamed live. So if you're looking to watch the More of them are streamed. I wouldn't say most, but more, more of them. There yeah. were, I think four of the eight games were streamed this weekend. Really? On ES- four, on, like four out of the eight in, on ESPN3. I don't know. Okay. Well, some some schools do their own like in, in-house production thing where you go to their website. And anyways, point is, Ivis, if, if you want to watch a game this week, if you can't attend one or if you can't attend one, uh, I mean, which game is the one that you want to go to this weekend? Well, if I could go to any game, I'd probably go to Wake Forest, Stanford, because, uh, you know, any chance you get to see Jordan Morris play. And, and Wake Forest has some talented players as well. Uh, Wake Forest has some has some good pro, prospect, pro prospects there. Uh, and then Creighton Akron. Creighton Akron, they, they've got quite a few guys who, who are, who are going to be projected to be in the MLS draft this year. So, Really, all four games have pro prospects. Uh, you know, Boston College Syracuse uh, probably has the least, although Julian Boucher is is a quality uh, player, uh, another one of those uh, German German born players who's come over and, and done really well in college here. Fabian Herbers is another one for Creighton. Um, but I, hey, Wake Forest, Stanford, I think I would go that one. You have the number one team in the country, and you have the number one player in the country. I mean, it's tough to top that. Also, Stanford has some other good players too, besides Jordan Morris. Oh, of course, Brandon Vincent is yeah, one yeah, of the Brandon top. Vincent's Brandon same. Vincent is one of the top seniors in the country. He will. Uh, he's a fullback. He's probably going to be one of the probably the first one of the first defenders off the board. Uh, for me, a surefire first round pick. Uh, you know, barring anything, mm-hmm. uh, barring any injuries or anything, he he's legit. So, and and they've got quite a few. They got your boy Corey Barry plays there, right? Yeah, he scored a goal against Ohio State. Man, looking pretty good. Yeah, all, hey, I'm, I'm surprised we don't have a segment at this point uh, that just updates all the RSL Academy products because I, I think I'm surprised you haven't. Uh, well, I, don't, I don't work there anymore, so you know, I'm not. The, uh, I'm out of the paycheck anymore. You're still your guys. Come on, no, no. But anyway, they're doing, they, they're they, doing pretty well. They're, they got players in Maryland and Creighton, so, so, we're, so we're, we're doing pretty good, Ivis. Right, no, but hey, Corey, yeah, Corey Baird is good there. Uh, Thomas Hilliard Arce is good there. Uh, Brandon Vincent, as I mentioned, is is a, is going to be a pick, uh, a high draft pick. Amir Bashti has gotten a lot of attention. So yeah, no, there's some talent there. And and uh, Wake Forest, uh, let's not forget, Wake Forest has 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 some has some good prospects as well. Wake Forest has Jack Harrison, the midfielder who's been outstanding. He's from England. Uh, Ian Harks, son of John Harks, that's right, the next generation. He's a he's a, another good player. Jacory Hayes, uh, in a, another guy who's on. Uh, the draft uh, depth chart, and when, when you want to talk about uh, prospects and, and, and people that are uh, have the scout's eye, so I think I think those are some of the names you're going to want to look at. But everyone, let's face it, everyone's going to be watching 
Jordan Morris. And it generally speaking, it, it, it is like men, men against boys just because there's just nobody that it, it's tough to find players on the college level who can deal with his speed because it's just next level. That's how people used to describe me. Ivis. They would always say that about my speed. They say that speed is next level. <laughs> Maybe they'd say that hair is next level. They, they do say that a lot. I do have some of the best hair in the business. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Alexi Laos's bloodlines are, are strong. Yeah, but... <laughs> uh, Ivis, before we close out the show, do you have a good Thanksgiving? It was pretty good, man. We had a we had a good spread. I had the, it was the first Thanksgiving dinner where I really flashed the cooking skills because I think I told you like I, this year. Yeah, you've been trying this, to step 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 your game up. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I, I like the the amount of stuff that I've been making now, starting to make all these different kind of things. So, uh, obviously, I left I left my my, my wife my, and my mother in law handled the turkey and the roast pork. Roast pork is a staple of uh, of, of Latino Thanksgiving dinners. Uh, you have the pavo. And then you have the pernil, which is pernil is roast pork, and then pavo is turkey, obviously. Uh, and then we had the sides, and I, I had I, I rocked the mac, my mac and cheese game was on full on, on full display. Uh, did some mashed potatoes that came out pretty well. I made some nice pesto sauce for for you know people to have with bread. Uh, and the dessert, I helped in the dessert department as well. I made man, some brown- you, man. I made some brownies, some kick ass brownies. I made I made garlic butter shrimp. Uh, appetizer for people. Uh, yeah, we had the full. We had the full. Uh, Dude, you could win an full award, menu. like f- father slash husband of the year award for that. I, that's, I don't that's know about that, impressive. but I, I got, I got, a, I got a fair amount of props for for the cooking. So that's impressive. Well, I don't, I don't know if I want to do it next year, but it was fun this year. It's very impressive, Ivis. I made zero dishes. Nah, what a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I supervised the pumpkin ones that my fiance made, but uh, yeah. You gotta step it up, my man. I always Make feel a couple bad. of things. Listen, I, I, this is what See, I'll say to you. That's how I feel. But like, Listen, my mom is gonna look here's at me. Word, and she's like, "Get out of the kitchen." Here's a word of advice I would give to you, and I'd give to all men out there. All, all you know what men, who anyone, anyone who has a significant other. Yes. F- find out what your significant other likes, what their favorite dishes are, and make and learn how to make and master a couple of. Them. Oh, I I, I uh, cook during the week all the time. No, no, no. But listen, I'm just figure, useless at Thanksgiving. Figure out what she likes. And then make if you can I know master. What she likes she likes Philly cheesesteaks. She we'll likes pizza. I, I gotta think she likes better stuff than that. Come <laughs> on. Anyway, I mean, for example, my wife, uh, she she was always like big on pesto, pesto sauce, and 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 like pasta with pesto sauce. And like I was never a pesto guy. I never really understood what was in pesto. But I finally, in a, like the last couple of months, I learned how to make it. Now, fresh I like pesto is like. Oof. It's money, man. It's, 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 it is very good. It's really good. And I make fresh pesto, and it's great. It's it, so it good. comes out, it's, uh, it's surprisingly easy to make. Uh, and then also garlic butter shrimp. Like, my, my wife's big on that. I learned how to make that. So then, boom. Like, any anytime you're in a doghouse, you want to make her a nice meal, you want to make her her favorite meal, boom. There you go. So that's, that's, uh, that's, let that be a little tip for all y'all. Listen. <laughs> It took me long enough. It took. It only took me fifteen years of marriage to figure that out. But there I've, you go. I've also, yeah, it took me about a year to realize that one too. Also, it also hit me that whoever does the cooking in our house, the other person has to do the cleaning, and the cleaning sucks. Yeah, you that's know, that's why I, I try to cook because I don't want to clean, clean, clean. Uh, <laughs> that's what I know. I know. Well, that's funny because my wife always gives me crap. She's like, she, I don't want you to cook because you make such a mess. And I'm like, hey, listen, what do you want? I cook, and then someone else has to clean. That's just how it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but then I feel bad. Yeah. 
You know what? I don't mind cooking and cleaning. I don't like having to clean on on her schedule. You know what I mean? Because like, I feel like, uh, you know, anyway, I'll, I'll just speak for my wife. Like my wife, <laughs> she, cooks, she cleans. It's like instant. She's like a super neat freak. I'm the, the opposite of that. Oh, yeah. Like, I take my time. I don't want to clean right away. I want to like chill and then I'll clean later. But in that time frame when there's dirty stuff there. It's a problem. So, they, you know, that's uh, – I don't know if I'm speaking for, for a lot of people who are, who are like that. I think you're speaking for most people on this one. Yeah, I guess that's just how it is. But, yeah. yeah. There you go. We'll eh, nothing you can do, Ivis. There's nothing you can do. Just be yourself, man. Just be yourself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, anything else we need to break down before I let no, you No, no, that's it, man. We, uh, we're going to try – now, I know we say this every week. That we're gonna have shows. We do try, everyone. We do try. I was I just have schedules just schedules. not good. Now we're trying. We're trying to do a midweek show. We're trying to get a couple guests. We're trying to get a couple of MLS Cup related guests. Uh, we'll see how, how we'll see how successful we are on that front. Uh, we tried to get a guest tonight, but didn't quite work out scheduling wise. Um, but hopefully we can get. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll ideally we'll get a, a guest from every from each of the teams in the final. Um, I think we might have one lined up already, and hopefully we can get the other team uh, squared away uh, to give give folks a little something for midweek. And then uh, since you're not coming to Columbus, I guess we'll just do another show on Thursday. I know. I'm sorry. I'm not surprised. I, it's you know it's tough for me to get off work. You know I don't, I know. I don't have that carefree schedule of working down at, down for the RSL Academy. Where <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think you need to go back there. It sounds like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, drive drive an hour to work back and forth. No thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think people realize exactly where that place is. Oh, the struggle. The struggle. It real. does. It sucks <laughs> driving an hour to the middle of the desert. Like oh man, you're just really. You I love how you're promoting it RSL now. Oh, you don't want to go there. It sucks. Well, <laughs> please. I'm sure the players have told you or. I know the players talk about it being in Casa Grande is like the worst thing ever because there's nothing to do in that city. Wow. Okay. It's well, the truth. Right. It's the truth. Hey, I'm being real. I was <laughs> real be, on this show. When keeping it real goes wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. uh, yeah no, it's good. So yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe once we once the NCAA tournament gets down to the Final Four, if there's any guys that you know, maybe we'll get them on the show. We haven't had any uh, – I'm trying to remember the last time we had a college player on the show. I don't think we've ever had one. Maybe it's time to have one. Really? We haven't had any? I mean, if you count guys who are about to get drafted. Get drafted but that, that that's not really Yeah, that's maybe that's maybe that well, yeah, like we've had like Patrick Mullins on, but he wasn't really a college player anymore, so I don't know. Maybe we'll see what we can do. We'll see we'll see we'll see we'll see who's in the final four. And then we'll and then we'll get them on the show. Yes, we should get someone on the show. We can ask him about, you know, college stuff, you know. <laughs> Do either of us know anything about what life know. is I mean, like? We're, we're, so, we're so far removed, so I, I yeah. don't know. That's why we can have a you know. I'm old, man. I'm we old. Have, we can have a member of the youth. I had, on I, had show. I had a player today, and I won't say who it is. I'm not going to name. Did he use a word, uh, and you didn't know what it was? No. What are you talking about? No. <laughs> uh, no. 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 What I was going to say was, I had a player today in the post game. Uh, you know, tell me that you know they're a long time reader of the show, and uh, and 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 they remember finding out whether or not they made the MLS combine by reading it on SBI. Uh, and uh, this isn't a young player. This is an older player. So I was like, damn, I'm old. Like that just, that, that was like my feel old moment right there. I was like, why did you tell me this, man? You just, no, nah, I'm just kidding. No, nah, but it's, it, it was funny. You but, are yeah. old, Ivis. You've been around, man. Hey, SBI is, uh, is going to be hitting year nine. 
in uh, January. So we're we're coming. This is our eighth full season, eighth full year, independent, uh, and it's going to be our ninth year, uh, our ninth year as an independent, and our tenth overall. I launched at the original SBI was launched in October of of uh, 2006, which was a long ass time ago. 2006, holy shit. Yeah, October of 2006 was when the original, the original Sagar by Ivis on the uh, on the the Bergen Records uh, sports blog platform. Uh, so yeah, so that was ten, that was almost ten years ago, man. It's crazy, crazy how time flies. I was a sophomore in college at that time. Yes, sir. So it, well, we'll long see if we time. get. Yes. So we need to. We, we, what we what I need to do now is find that next generation of SBI writers. To take us into a, uh, into the new year because we're we're, we're kind of low. We got to hit the transfer market really hard because we're low on we're low on uh, squad players right now. <laughs> so, I got to get around on. I got I got to work on it. I got to work <laughs> my recruiting pitch. I got to work. On yeah, you, you need to work on that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna swoop in on some of these other smaller sites and try to snatch away some of their talent. That's the way it has to work, man. You're the big dog in town. You don't try, go looking for the talent. I try not to do that, though. Honestly, I, I've always, I've never been one to to poach. I always try to kind of be respectful of uh, of everybody. With it, we're we're all trying to do the same thing. You, we're all trying. You, you poached me, Ivis. I don't know if I'd say that, but <laughs> no. Eh. But it's funny. No, but you know what's funny? Back to the back to the, yeah. the back to the player who shall not be named. Uh, they did point out the fact that back then, when they were like. In college, like we were, SBI was it. Like we were like one of the only sites around, and now there's like a million sites. It's unbelievable how many sites there are. There's some, and there's some, there's some good independent sites out there. Uh, there's quite a few of them actually. So uh, it's kind of cool to see. At the same time, it's a lot. There's a lot of competition uh, for everybody's clicks and everybody's eyeballs. And uh, you know what? Hopefully, in 2016, we'll be able to step it up a notch and, and, and kind of maintain our place. Yeah, well, hey, as you know, man, that, that's a good thing that we've got these websites. I know it is. I mean, even from when we've done the show the last couple of years, just kind of, you know, how many more podcasts there are, just coverage. And it's a good thing. It's, it's all a good thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not all good, but it's good that there's more of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ivis. Will you enjoy yourself this week? I will, uh, I will chit-chat with you later, right, man? Yes, sir. And as always, everyone... Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the views, the comments on iTunes. That is Ivis Glarsen. I am Gary Cleverly. This is the SBI Show.